0: The following is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to Life as a Life Schooler, where we talk about how to merge life with homeschooling. I'm Daniil Papagiorgio and today we are talking to Michelle Miller Howard, author of Truth Quest History. For over 20 years, Michelle has been a librarian, home education consultant, author, columnist, and speaker specializing in top quality living books, educational vision, and history instruction. It began in 1985 when she pioneered, funded, and acquired a library of such rare children's literature which has been thriving ever since. Her Children's Preservation Library in Michigan now houses over 20,000 valuable volumes, serving patrons in several counties. A second library, Living Learning Libraries, is underway in Florida with plans for additional libraries and thousands more rare books already acquired. Michelle is considered a national leader and expert on living libraries and literature and helps others around the nation found and operate such libraries as well. She has also developed a massive database on specialized youth literature. She is a regular contributing columnist to various national magazines and educational websites, as well as a sought-after speaker and columnist. Michelle wrote the multiple award-winning Truths Truth Quest History Curriculum, which steers families through American and world history with deep, engaging, spiritually probing commentary, and which embeds her vast knowledge of topic-specific living book recommendations throughout. Welcome, Michelle. I'm so happy to have you on the show. Very good. Thank you for having me. And wow, I had a time cutting down your bio because you've just done so much. It was really <laughs> amazing to read about. And well, That's
1: nice it's just as i um may have may have mentioned uh um it's just part of being fifty seven
0: lived a while <laughs> yep i hear you it's it it goes fast too um mhm. And, and yeah, you just end up doing a lot more when you get it down on paper. It's like, wow, you know, <laughs> I've, I've done a lot, I guess.
1: <laughs> I had planned to be a doctor. I started reading oh, medical wow. books when I was five, and I just thought I was the last person on earth that would ever home educate. So everything is a completely different direction than I had planned,
0: and that's kind of the way it goes, too, in life. That's true. That's amazing. How interesting. Well, and 20,000 books in your library, that is really Amazing. Give us a little background. How did that all come about? I mean, how do you all of a sudden dive into (laughs) this? I mean, I'm sure it wasn't all of a sudden, but what kind of led up to that?
1: That's a very good question. Um, I started uh, home educating, which is a different story. I want to jump ahead and to where, you know, by the end of my first year, I could see that what I was doing with my boys was not engaging them on a deep level. At that time, I had two sons. I had a big gap, and I later had two more children. But most of the stories are te- I tell were when I was just learning, and that was the point I had two boys. And I had a friend that started telling me about these living books. And so I started collecting them here and there and, you know, yard sales. And then she told me that libraries sometimes Discard them, and pretty few is pretty soon. I had, you know, I don't know, a hundred and. And 200 and then I started reaching out on a wider scale and pretty soon I had 5,000 and oh, I goodness. lived in an 877 square foot house and so they which is small and so they were all basically boxed up in my laundry room and I had left the narrowest of paths to get to the front of my washer and dryer and I had to walk sideways sidling <laughs> to get to my dryer and I could only just barely open the dryer door like enough to get my arm through you know and a sheet and so uh, somebody said you should open a library. And I just laughed. I mean, why would I do that? You know, there are public libraries on every, you know, every corner and, uh, you know, what so what would be the purpose I don't I don't know what I thought I was going to do with the books except they were available they were coming to me and I knew they were valuable and so I didn't want to let them go at that time I didn't realize how different they were than books that are currently available but I'm, I'm I hung on to them and so um, I had learned a lot about children's literature in this time especially from what's called that golden age of youth literature where we from once we get that term living books and right right around that time um, someone from my church had moved downstate uh, for her husband husband to get a second master's and so they said come visit us take you know take us into the the big library system in our area and help us find these best books on this subject happened to be ancient Rome well that was the moment of truth because we could not find one quality book Mm -hmm. um, in that entire system not just in that downtown central library but the whole county system and we were literally standing under a massive rotunda on marble floors with Mm -hmm. columns everywhere and wings and staff and space and yet we couldn't find one quality book and I just was like rooted to the floor in that rotunda and I'm like oh my goodness those 5,000 books crammed into my laundry room those are actually needed those aren't available publicly I thought at that Point that libraries were always hanging on to what had been good, always archiving them and just adding new things. But no, there was a constant turnover and what was in public libraries was very different from these other books. And I'm like, you know what, you're right, we have to build a library. And from that point on, you know, 70, 80 hour weeks, um, just year in, year out, we ended up moving right away. Um, and to try to find more space, we eventually built a place with the library in mind. Then we finally moved into a commercial setting. And so the process continued. We are just we're just launching our twenty fourth year up there in Michigan. And now, as, as you mentioned, I have started a second library down here in Florida and we have about 12,000 living books here at this point, point. plus that doesn't count the ones in the trunk of my car, in the <laughs> guest room, in the bathroom, you know, in the garage, uh, because there's no space for them. But they are extremely powerful and extremely impactful. They're very different at their very core from the types of books that the culture is producing now. And so right. that's why we have them available
0: right that's funny it sounds like this is a bit of an obsession for you <laughs>
1: <laughs> we uh we have some funny stories i remember one time we were well we would pull a trailer everywhere we went in case we found books which of course we always did and one time we got to the border crossing into canada and my boys had been you know dragged through many a uh, a uh, thrift store and everything else and so when we pull up in the guard the Canadian guard says so what's in the trailer and my my teenage son leans forward and he said believe me it's books he said it in such a weary voice the guard says you know what I think you're telling me the truth go on through so we were the only trailer basically that didn't get pulled over and looked into that day so my son looked just tired enough that that he was believed
0: that's so funny that's great yeah (laughs) And, and you know, I think a lot of us as homeschooling moms do have that obsession with books. Um, there's just, there's so many good ones. Like you said, that the uh, ones that are a little bit older a lot of times. And it is really sad in libraries today. We just, I actually hadn't been to the library in years because, like I tell people, I have supported the library so much with library finds, I finally just decided that I should just buy the books off of Amazon buy those penny books and then I have them they're in my personal library we can access them anytime and I don't have to worry about late fees but we actually went back to the library a couple weeks ago Um, I think there was something specific I wanted I wasn't really finding it on Amazon so I thought well we'll just check out the library and see what they have so we went and I was just really disappointed, honestly. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was just, there were a lot of fluff kind of books and just not a lot of quality, obviously not a lot of books with, or any maybe, with a Christian worldview, Um, just a lot of garbage, really. So I'm so excited about what you're doing and I think it's just amazing and I'm sure it's such a blessing especially to the homeschooling community where you are. Um, tell us yeah, that uh, is
1: who uses it this library here is a nonprofit library so technically mm-hmm. anyone can use it but it is home educators basically that are seeking it out.
0: Right I would think so um, and tell us a little bit more why why are books so foundational to education and and tell us just a little bit more about your perspective when it comes to living books well there's a
1: couple of things I, I'd love to say I wish I could say them simultaneously um, first of all we know that we have to think about the fact that language is tremendously important animals don't have language we do hmm. you know created in God's image we know that Jesus is the word of course that he uses his word he watches over his written word and so we know that language is a just a very powerful part of being human and so I think that sometimes we forget that you know sometimes kids Mm -hmm. growing up why do I have to read this or you know why is it always a book well it's language honey you know what you're made in God's image and language is just always going to be central to who you are now our culture right now tries to communicate more through images but I, I heard a speaker I can't claim it but they they were saying that images actually go right to these like storage part of the brain without filtering through the moral matrix or the analytical hmm. portion where we say, is that or is that not true? But oh, the wow. written word does not do that. It does go through the moral matrix and it does go through the analytical parts of our brain. It's slow, you know, I sometimes kids say, yeah, but books are slow compared to, you know, my flashing, you know, movie screen or, or computer screen. Yes, but that's also kind of part of it because when it comes in slowly but with quality, it becomes, it is thought over, it is ruminated, is incubated and it can actually become a permanent part of you and that's actually what we are after you know one of my main themes is that um we we know that the culture's worldview shapes everything we know it shapes um, entertainment the judicial system economic systems you name it it took so long for me to realize that would also shape even youth literature, youth publishing, but then why again wouldn't it? If you think mm-hmm. about it, what it means to be a human is a deeply values-laden statement. What it, what is worth learning, is a very values-laden statement. How learning occurs is a very values-laden statement. So how could youth publishing be separated from the cultural worldview? So as right. there has been a shift in the cultural worldview towards postmodernism, um, towards a Darwinian reductionism, etc., that shows up in youth books. So when we think about the Judeo-Christian worldview, that is going to create a very rich book. That's going to be very rich in language for the reasons we just said earlier. Mm. It's going to be very rich in art because beauty is is a God-given thing, and He, you know, made us able to appreciate it. And it's going to penetrate to the soul level, not just to the gray matter, cerebrum. That uh, a more secular. Secular, uh materialistic worldview i mean the secular materialism in the sense of it has to be material i don't mean the 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 uh, financial type of materialism right. um that you know that that we're not just uh gray matter there's something immaterial you know and eternal that the lord put into our soul you know in to us a soul and that is actually the deepest seat of learning uh, the Bible says never e- so, as Ruth Beechick says never even uses the word brain one time it does use the word mind but that implies something more than just the cerebrum it implies will and emotions and again immaterial things instead it says incline to me your heart that you may receive wisdom Instruction and understanding, the Lord is showing us that there is a very deep seat is where education actually occurs. And so, to me, we're going after whatever resources go deep, deep, deep down in there. They inspire then learning. They animate learning from the inside of the person outward, from the inward to outward. That then the mind is engaged, and the cerebrum is engaged to do what it does. You know, to 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 organize and to analyze and to synthesize and to prepare that and remember. That and so forth, and when you've got that child working from the inside out, an animated soul, you know, in directing the mind to say, Hey, listen up, pay attention, let's get going. This is this is good, this is meaty, we need to know this. That's a completely different dynamic, and it's a powerful dynamic. And that was what I enjoyed so much in, in my home educating years. I home educated for over 25 years, I, I'm done now, but man, to watch that process occur was so intoxicating for me mm. as, as a mom
0: yeah absolutely. Wow that was just so packed Michelle. I'm gonna to have to go back and listen to it again. Good <laughs> stuff um so then give us some examples of some of these kinds of books that you're talking about what are tell us what some of your favorite books are mm,
1: oh my if goodness can, no, because- I had the, i had um I work with uh Hillsdale college's um their K-12 Classical Academy and mm-hmm. help them build their library. So, some of your listeners are probably familiar with Hillsdale College because they put out in primus and a lot of online classes about the Constitution. My son graduated there and went into their honors program. And so the, uh, the gentleman who helps them build charter schools around the nation came to my library and he said, could you, you know, could you narrow down some top favorite books? And I said, I can narrow you down a favorite 5,000. <laughs> <laughs> uh, below that, it's going to be pretty tough to do, but... I guess, I guess I would like to just point out something generally first, and that is the power of biography. Um, you know, the way, the, way that, the way that I was taught is that we just memorized what other famous people had done. But what I want children to do, young people, when I say children, I mean anybody younger than 57 basically, um, what I want them to do is to learn how to become that person. Not just to, you know, Mm -hmm. learn about what other people have done, but how to become somebody who is worth writing a book about, which means, in other words, that you're fulfilling the Lord's purpose on your life. And that is so unique to the individual. And I know that that is your heartbeat very, very, very much. And so we looked at biographies, very importantly, not as just, oh, look at mankind's on the stage, not at all, but rather to to watch the process that somebody goes. And Nathan Hale, for example, I love to cite his life. You know, he was the first spy to give his life in the american revolution and i believe he was actually tortured was it almost even i can't remember 13 months or some long period of time and he said he would have done it a thousand times over in order to be able to buy liberty for for progeny for generations that he did not even yet know that is a level of others orientation that is a level of uh, a friend of mine wants to find wisdom is sacrificing the permanent on the altar of the temporary. I mean, vice versa, sacrificing the temporary <laughs> on the altar of the permanent. Um, that is, you know, hallmarks of that. And so to watch how he worked and 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 labored in his family and, and appreciated what the sisters did and, and the girls appreciated what the boys did and how they went to town and how they received gladly, you know, instruction uh, from the parson, you know, from the doctor, because it was considered a gift for somebody to tell you the truth about life and the values of life it wasn't this concept now of hey I got to figure out my own truth so all you adults back off you know I'm having an existential experience here where I figure out what works for me it's just the opposite so I really love to take kids into biographies where they watch that process occur because boys especially I think are very interested in um, impact they want to see how people go about having impact I discovered that that was a very profound longing in my sons and they were they were keen to know that because they wanted to live lives of impact so I would say that biographies generally are very very powerful for me Uh, a favorite also would be like of the book um, Guns for General Washington. That's the true story of once miraculously Ticonderoga fell to the Patriots. They realized that George Washington needed the heavy um, artillery that the British had had there at Ticonderoga, but he needed him over at what would become Bunker Hill. And there was an entire mountain range in between, and it was winter, and there were no roads. And so a group of men said, you know what, we got to figure a way to drag these cannons up over rocky ridges and down impossible slopes and up over tree roots and through swollen rivers that were ice choked. And, And how do you become somebody who does that, who says, hey, I've got an idea. You know, that's pretty incredible and it was because of that you know that we're you know we're living in a free nation right now it's very very important when i was recently in a library here and my goal is not to slam public libraries at all in fact i studied library science at university of alabama that wasn't my degree but i did study it and they just have their 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 formula now is to try to provide the taxpayer an alternative to what's trending at the moment Hmm. so that they don't have to buy it in a bookstore but that's not my goal my goal is different and so that's why you know my library is different but when I was in the public library recently two-thirds of all the biographies were about sports figures I'm estimating the remaining one-third about 95% were either about music stars or movie stars wow. and I thought if you add that all up together sports music and movies and all three of those scenarios which now are making what 92% of the biography section hmm. you have a, a very tacit message going out to the young person there again this is my opinion mm-hmm. that you are eventually going to be a consumer of entertainment a passive consumer of what other people are doing other performers other specialists i didn't see books there that were saying hey you're you know you got to get this this is important you're going to love knowing about liberty or freedom or you know whatever and then you need to not only bring it to our nation now but you need to Taken it on to future generations it's actually a high esteeming thing to say a young person you are capable of understanding the absolute highest truths the lord made you that way and your life is going to be very significant in bringing that about in your generation and in succeeding generations that's a value statement to say to somebody you're just going to be a consumer of entertainment that's not that's not a high statement again you know as i view it
0: so right. that that totally that agree very
1: different purposes.
0: yeah i totally agree and you know when you were talking about the value of biographies um, and and just how they teach our children character it it struck me that I think the reason they 're so powerful is because it's not like a book that's telling you you need to do this and this and it, it's not like um it's less preachy i guess is is what I would say because you're stepping into. Uh, the life of someone, you're getting kind of a a peek at what they did. And that person through the story is, is kind of leading by example. And example is a very powerful thing. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm just, I'm reminded of this in, in my own home lately, just with dealing with my own children. Uh, Some of the faults that are coming up, the things that I'm, I'm seeing that we need to work on It's like looking in a mirror. (laughs) Like, oh my goodness. (laughs) Don't you? (laughs) And it (laughs) happens just too often. So I'm I'm realizing, oh my goodness, instead of me telling, because you know, we're always telling. We're always saying you need to do this, the Bible says this and and I'm realizing I'm not doing enough doing. I've got to be a better leader by example rather than just telling my kids what they need to do and what they shouldn't do. Um, It's really that leading by example that's such a powerful thing. So I think that's that's kind of an, an aspect there of the biography.
1: Yeah, I, that's that's an interesting comment. I think also they see that the 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 future Nathan Hales, for example, they didn't always get it right, but but they but um, their life still counted because it's a process and and the Lord is so patient with us through that process. Sometimes I think kids can get pretty discouraged. You know, there's, there is so much to learn and there's, Mm -hmm. you know, so much growth that needs to occur in a lifetime. You know, I'm still needing to learn and grow now. I think it encourages them to that. Hey, I'm not going to always get it right, but you know, neither did, you know, this guy over here. And yet he was able to learn from that, that mistake or that difficult experience. And in the end, he was still able to mount a life of, of significance. And I I really
0: think that's what people are are, are seeking. Well, and, you know, it gives great purpose to education. Go ahead. Right. Well, you know, seeing those mistakes, like you said, it's it's very important and very valuable. It's kind of funny. My daughter tells me now um, she read the Elsie Dinsmore series, Mm -hmm. and I know a lot of, a lot of Uh, homeschoolers give that series to their little girls. And I think it's, it's got some wonderful things about it. But she told me later, she's like, you know, I just got so sick of that series because Elsie was perfect and she never did (laughs) anything wrong. (laughs) And for her, for her, that was discouraging because she felt like she, like Elsie became this unrelatable character. Um, Again, I think she's somebody that little girls can emulate, but it's good when you have a, a a real person because it's believable, you know, and yeah. they live a real life and they make mistakes. And, and how do they work through those and how does God yeah. use those mistakes for his glory in the end? It, it's yeah. just I think it's there's an important element to a story that's actually true or or that has that believable um, believability about it. Yeah, there's
1: hope when when you right. when you see that everything wasn't perfect and yet there was still you know a, a rewarding and significant life. There, there's hope there. Right. And we 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 know that the Lord um, is going to stay with us and work with us through the process over the course of our entire lifetimes, and that is just deeply encouraging. And Absolutely. you know it is it is it is children. You know can get discouraged and they can get overwhelmed, and you know we don't really want that. We don't want to like you know, win a particular battle and then lose the war.
0: Right. Well, and you think about it, the greatest story of all is a redemption story. Mm-hmm. And so redemption is important. We, we mm. like to see how, um, yeah. I mean, it's like you said, it's encouraging to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, okay, let's shift gears here a, a bit. Um, tell us a little bit more about perhaps more about your homeschooling journey but how did you come to write TruthQuest history? Well those two are connected those two questions.
1: Um, I knew people that were home educating and I could see that they were having a very rich experience. And I had my kids in the Christian school at our small church, and my mother was one of the teachers, and I was on the parent-teacher board, and I was, you know, friends with the other teachers and the, the superintendent, and they were all wonderful, and I'm not complaining about that in the least. And I just had the feeling that that was enough, and yet I could see what, you know, the other families were doing, and I kind of longed to have those experiences, but not enough that I was willing to make any changes. But then I went on a mission trip to what was at the time the Soviet Union and Poland, and I got very ill. I got a viral infection from some contaminated water in the border town of chemish, Poland, and I was so sick for so many months that all of the things that had filled up my life that had seemed so important came to an immediate halt. And all I could do was basically follow my boys around with my eyes. And I just began to realize, what am I doing now? I'm only just talking about myself here. Because mm-hmm. sure. I had just gotten involved in some just busy things, blah, blah, blah. And I just realized, what am I doing? What is most important is, again, at that time, those two boys. And I just had it just it, it, one underwent a sea change of a significance for me. And I realized that I had been more of a pit stop. I wrote a column about that once that I realized that I had made a home that was basically just a pit stop. It was where they refueled, they got fresh clothes, you know, the cupcakes were made for the PTO sale or whatever. And I wasn't actually, um, I mean, I love them and we were close, but I wasn't like I'm going to use that word again, incubating, I wasn't giving the time and attention to actually hand incubate them to be who they needed to be. And I know, again, this is right in your strike zone right here. And I gained a desire to do that because I didn't want them to undergo any type of mass product, you know, mass produced education. I realized how distinctly different they were and how precious they were. And I wanted to share that development process with them instead of just, you know, refueling it, them to have that process occur with someone else. And so that's what caused, and my boys, to be honest, were, were bored. And again, not because the teachers or the staff were, were, weren't wonderful but there's just when you can't customize when you can't set right. the pace for your own children there a lot of boredom can set in so I decided that I wanted them to be able to go at their pace and so that's that's kind of what launched us into it and then I very quickly realized that they could get 100% on a test on Friday and then not remember it at all on Sunday they would act as if they never even heard of it when I tried to bring up you know quote-unquote pithy conversation at the dinner table and (laughs) that started to be a little bit discouraging so I could pat myself on the back and give myself all the good oh I guess I'm not a failure as a homeschool mom because we got the 100% but if on Sunday they acted like they never heard of it how good about my efforts could I really feel and so I also then realized that um, I was so busy trying to satisfy myself that I was checking off every box on the list that I was pushing to the well we'll get time later you know maybe this weekend or maybe this evening we'll get time for the really deep stuff like what does it mean to be a patriot and how do we vote How do we meet, you know, the needs of the needy, um, given, you know, economic structures, governmental structures, et cetera. All the big stuff, I just kept deferring because we had to double underline something or, Hmm. you know, fill in these five blanks or whatever. And I just felt like the Lord started putting on my heart, hey, why don't you make the main thing be the main thing? Hmm. Now, that may not sound like a big breakthrough to anybody else, but for me, it was a real wake-up call. I wasn't making the main thing be the main thing. And the reason why was because the main thing wasn't very measurable, and I didn't know how to make myself feel good about myself as a homeschool mom if I did that but you know how the Lord is you know he just relentlessly prods and prods and prods and I began to realize that I wanted to get to the big stuff first while the boys were fresh and have it be a hallmark to what we were doing so I couldn't find anything at that time that I felt accomplished that in the way that I felt like I could see that it could be done. Now, again, I think that the Lord has created different materials for the use of different families with different types of children and with different goals and missions. But this was a particular type of thing that I didn't see. In fact, when I felt like the Lord put it on my heart repeatedly for two years, I kept saying, hey, God, you don't go to the homeschool conventions. You know, you don't get the catalogs. You don't know what's out there. I'm sure that this picture you have in my mind is out there and you just don't know about it yet. I actually proceeded to buy one of everything trying to prove that there was somebody who had already done this exact, you know, type of thing. There wasn't. So they had done other good things. Again, I'm not saying that, but there was this, this type of thing that I knew would be good for my sons just wasn't out there. And so it was finally time to just say, okay, I guess you are calling me to write it. And so that, that what was significant to me was that I wanted to, um, I wanted to not, well, let me, let me rephrase that. One day I was busily planning my, you know, next year's curriculum. And I was thinking, who are we going to study? You know, little lowercase w. Who? Should we do these people or that people or this people? And that was just when I felt like the Lord caught me up short. So, you know, why are why, you, you know, why are you thinking about which people to study? I'm like, well, uh, isn't history the story of mankind? And, and it was just as if, you know, these thoughts began coming to me. Is it? Did mm-hmm. mankind make himself? I'm like, well, no. Mm-hmm. Did he make the earth? Earth he's walking on? No. Did he make the? Did he make love? Did mankind make family? Did mankind make beauty? Did mankind make inventiveness? Did mankind make law? Did Did, did mankind make you know? No, mm-hmm. no, no, and no. And he's like, then why are you focusing on mankind? I'm like, you are, you know, wow. <laughs> I realized in that moment that the actual in my opinion history is first and foremost about what God is initiating has initiated is initiating and then secondarily people fit into place as how they respond do they accept or reject the truth and once we can see whether they are accepting or rejecting the truth now we can make sense of their governmental structure their economic structure their social structure their art their religion their philosophy their morality it all makes sense it's either it's a response it's a human response either an embracing of his principles or it's a it's a it's a version it's a uh, civilization's version of a two-year-old stamping his little foot and saying i can do it myself <laughs> and so and, and before then we were just learning people 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 and columns 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 and wars 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 and paintings 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 And I'm not saying that those aren't important, but it was an assemblage of different details, all of which had people kind of as the main star, Pericles or Charlemagne or whatever. I mean, I feel like Shakespeare himself kind of spoke to this. And of course, probably you're a Shakespeare expert, and I can't come up with the exact quote, but he said, you know, what is man? (laughs) Okay, good. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) No worries. Shakespeare said something like a man who, you know, struts and frets on the stage, you know, full of sound and fury but signifying nothing. I felt like, oh my goodness, Shakespeare should be like, should have been the homeschool speaker at my convention. I would have gotten it sooner. You know, I had mankind strutting about on the stage, but there was a lot of fretting with that. And there was a lot of noise that people were making, but it was a lot of sound and fury. And in the end, it pretty much signified nothing. You know, this philosopher said that, and then that movement was rejected by the next movement. And the artists were trying to paint what the last philosopher said. And then the next painters were like, that philosophy you painted is wrong, da-da-da-da-da yeah you know, and so i my boys just started becoming a wash and all of that and there was like a deep anime that was even starting where um there was like almost like a purposelessness to it so once i began to see wait a minute we can say what was god initiating you know he is he is the truth he is the initiator he is the king he is the lover he is the redeemer a word that you know redemption that you spoke of earlier are these people actually receiving that and accepting that or are they fighting against that now we can put into place why then did they do that oh i see is that what you would like to live in The Greeks, nobody will ever do secular humanism better than the Greeks did. Nobody will ever do statism better than the Romans did. How did that really turn out? What was it like to be an individual in ancient Greece or in ancient Rome? Because every night on the news, they tell us, oh, if only the government would do this. Or, you know, if only people would, you know, be uninhibited and be free to, you know, explore this or that. Okay, How did that work when the Greeks tried it? How did that work when the Romans tried it? Is it really the solution? Or did it always work better when they embraced the Lord's truth and his principles? Wasn't that really the path to, you know, political liberty, economic opportunity personal status, unchanging personal status, whether you're handicapped or purple or green or old or, you know, whatever, I mean, those questions kind of become answered themselves. And so it's a deep inculcation over and over again. It's like I say, a technicolor movie of that that great truth that ultimately everything that mankind is actually seeking is found inside of the, the Lord and what he is trying to initiate for mankind. And, and I just wanted uh, kids to understand that and to be able to communicate that and to be able to then to place the great events and features of culture and civilization and history inside of those principles and that's the very heart of truth quest history using living books of course to help accomplish that so those two things we've talked about here merge
0: wow that's that's really amazing and i love the sound of it and i think when you were talking it just kind of struck me it's almost like most people are studying history as little puzzle pieces but when you put all those pieces together you get the big picture view of of what god is doing but but they're doing it without the box lid mm. <laughs> so they're not, not they're not <laughs> seeing <laughs> they're not oh, seeing oh, the oh. the full picture they're wow. just seeing these little puzzle which it doesn't make sense when you just mm-hmm. look at a little puzzle piece it's random and it's on its yeah. own yeah so, you know
1: that's a great
0: word picture it just it just kind of came to me because you're talking about about it, and in such a way that it just kind of made sense to me, but it reminds me, your approach reminds me a bit of, and I can't think of the guy's name, but we've been watching these videos called How Then Shall We Live?
1: You're talking about Francis Schaeffer. Yes. He's one of my greatest heroes, and I studied him deeply in college, and I have basically... Truthcrest history has been called Francis Schaefer for kids so it's amazing oh, wow. that you see that his principles are very deeply embedded in there um, I have the kids the older kids read through his book and or watch the video series because which you just mentioned the video series is actually the book like verbatim I've even been in communication with his um, his niece's husband and he told bless his heart he told Edith Schaefer what we were doing before she passed and mm-hmm. and um, you know and she she said, "You know, that's great. You know, glad that people are understanding his work. So yes, that is very key. And another principle of Francis Schaeffer, and I'm sorry, I interrupted you, is that he no, he really focused on the fact that um, once once the, the the church comes on the scene, you know, in the time of early Rome, um, there we now see that the church is a is central to civilization." And that's that's one of the theme verses in Truth Quest history as well. Um, I, ha- I use a message paraphrase of it so that even the youngest children can accept it. But it says that the church is not peripheral to the world; the world is peripheral to mm. the church. It is through the church that the Lord, you know, moves and acts. Mm. And so that's why the kids can get excited about becoming part of the, you know, the actions that the the Lord is active. You know, He's not only the initiator; He's not only the truth, but He's actively involved in civilization. And it's a great and high and thrilling calling to be part of that and that is again where the individual calling plugs in so it's not again just learning about what other people have done in the past and trying to memorize that with with which boys especially will say "Eh, no thanks not impactful it's instead beginning understanding the flow up into the time where the kid comes on the scene and guess what you get to jump in this river too and now it's your turn to to carry it forward to be that next link you know that next section of flow in the river and through which you know God is is acting upon this world that he loves and, and cares for and so that yeah the centrality of that and understanding that ultimately what civilization is is you know acceptance or rejection of truth that puts truth and the Lord who is truth at the very core and puts mankind where he belongs as, you know, secondary characters, you know, right. we're there because he placed us there and he wants to work through us and he wants us to play significant roles. But we are not the we are not first billing on, you know, play. Right. On the right. And, and that's a good place for us to be. That's actually a more reassuring place because we can't carry this world on our own. We can't. We're not. Our shoulders are not big enough. We can play our role and get excited about that but we can't remake the world in our own image because man, as C.S. Lewis says, God created the world and mankind's been trying to return the favor ever since.
0: <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, exactly. I love how you put that too because God is central and that's where we need to keep him even in history, in every subject that we mm-hmm. study. Seek first yeah. the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And it just, you had said about how the Lord sort of led you down that path of letting go of the checklists and the here's what's expected and really seeking God first. And that's a hard thing for us. We always, we talk about this a lot and just that element of faith that comes in when you start to put God first and seek him first and really try to figure out who did he create this child to be? Mm -hmm. What gifts did he put in this child that he has for for the world for this child to impact the world yeah Um, Yeah. and that makes
1: our job as homeschooling parents incredibly thrilling and incredibly mm -hmm. impactful a word I keep using but there's a reason you know what you're doing mom is very impactful what you're doing dad is very impactful you're not just giving them the three hours and a transcript you are preparing them to play a role that God foreordained. you know and which will Ephesians 320 you know blow their
0: minds Right.
1: That's a pretty, pretty exciting thing. I know, I I think I interrupted you again, so please continue, and then I would love to say something in response to what you just said.
0: Absolutely. Well, I was going to say, so it's, it's really tricky, and it's that faith walk, but then you get to high school. Like, you've got all this freedom when they're younger in the elementary school years. You don't really feel like you, you have the pressure that you do in high school, and that's kind of where we are now, and you know it's kind of funny <laughs> my son's a junior this year but i'm mm-hmm. finally getting to the point where it's like okay how do we how do we fill all the boxes with what he's done and what what he enjoys mm-hmm. doing it's really sort of an opposite way of how most people are doing it and it's it's kind of hard it's kind of overwhelming to to figure it all out and how it fits but god provides like you said i mean he he really he uses every experience and every gift that they have and he'll make a way if they're supposed to go to college he'll make a way for that to all fit into the transcript neatly and and do what it (laughs) needs to do (laughs) but it is faith it's for sure a, a walk of faith
1: well you i'm so glad you you said walk of faith because i remember when i was standing what uh, at what felt like the edge of a precipice after my first year realizing what i was doing wasn't working for my sons and i thought if i step off into this other realm where i make the main things be the main things and we focus on you know deep truth where i'm not going to have my checklist i'm not going to have my multiple choice tests, so i can't reassure myself dah, 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 with those test scores that remember i told you even when they got high test scores they they weren't interested mm-hmm. or caring about it or remembering it anyway so it was an illusion anyway again for for my children i realized that it wasn't the edge of a precipice. That if if you can literally picture yourself standing at what you on the edge of a cliff, where you believe that what you're doing is that support, so that you can feel good about yourself. And I don't mean in terms of prideful way, but because we right. love our kids so much, we want to do well by them. I mean, right. we would give mm-hmm. them three eyeballs and five kidneys if we had them, if they needed them. That's how much <laughs> we love them. But what I want, what I keep trying to tell parents is that when you take that step forward, that step of faith, as you described it, what you will discover is that there's solid ground under there, you there as well. It's just that it's solid ground you didn't know was there because it wasn't anything you were trying before. And that's exactly what I felt like the Lord told me to do in Truth Quest history, was to provide solid ground underneath the foot of a person who was felt led to take this particular step. And so that's exactly how I describe Truth Quest history. Now I'm going to switch metaphors. It's like, if you feel like you're supposed to flow down this river that we've been describing, you don't have to just jump into the river and start flailing around and get swept down the current wondering what to do that would be a waste of your time because you also have a calling in your life that needs to occur and so does this other mom and this other mom and that other dad there's no need for everybody to go through that process i felt like the job that the lord gave me to do was to create basically a boat that's why i said going to switch metaphors the boat is going to support the family and carry them down the stream without having to think about well what's next well what's next how did this painter prove that point or how did jurors paintings show what he believed to be truth to Martin Luther and da 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 nobody has to keep figuring that out over and over and over again that was how I was supposed to serve the body with this particular project get in the boat focus on having your arms around your kids while you're in the boat you're, you're reclining together you're reading together you're, you're packing the lunch you're having an epic journey you're like oh my goodness look at that oh my goodness look at that without you realizing it that boat is going to carry you forward because it's saying next is this and next is this and go get that living book and next is this and did you think about that and watch for this and why did Julius Caesar do that let's watch how that occurs four or five hundred years later and before you know it you're way downstream your focus can be on the family dynamics and the family what you're doing let somebody else provide that support underneath you so that the current can take you without that feeling of flailing or as it feels like to a mom, failing. So it's, it's it seems like a step of faith, but the Lord, because he cares so much about this thing, these things, these matters, and the impact of our children even more than we do, I believe he does actually call people to provide exactly what is needed for a family to take that step. Why would he call us to something and then not meet the need to, to get that accomplished? Exactly. So I always tell people, don't just, when you start home educating, don't just go to a vendor hall and walk around and look for all the curriculum that has a pink cover or you know a blue cover or has pictures of you know trees on it and so you like it I I don't mean to not go to a vendor hall I mean what you have to do first is say what do you say education is Lord Mm -hmm. and then who is it particularly that I'm educating you know these children that you've given me like you just described with your son and then lastly okay what do I need for this son to reach that goal now you're ready to go into the vendor hall but sometimes we get it backwards because when we went to school nobody asked those questions about us nobody said danielle who are you what is your calling where are you headed what do you need instead they met you at the door smack in the face here's the curriculum that has been chosen by the school board get in get on board and so right. that's without thinking you know that's what we can do we can ourselves pick out a curriculum slam bam it's eight thirty, kids boom that curriculum hits them right in the face well that may not be what you know what Susie needs or or what Sammy needs now that we always have a spirit of excellence, you know, as unto the Lord. It's not that we're doing nothing at all right um, it's that we're doing the right thing and we're doing the right thing very very well in terms of the high school thing because you know my kid my older's are you know 37 and 33 I've got a son in college right now 19 and, and another girl that's just launching out on hers um, she's actually gonna go into the Air Force because she's always wanted to be a dog trainer and the Air Force trains hmm. the dog so she is on her oh. path to do that I'm so excited for her that's me um, But anyway, what I realized is that I could not, we were doing such deep work and such broad work, I couldn't, if I were to take everything that, I'm going to use the son named Jordan that ended up going to Hillsdale College, for example, if I would have taken everything he would have studied just about the French Revolution or, or just about, you know, Western European history or whatever, and try to put it into one line on a transcript called Western Civ and then put a number beside it for like one credit. That would have been to take 99% of what he did and make it just evaporate and, and represent it with one phrase and one number. I didn't want that. It was not possible to convey who he was, what he had learned, what he had accomplished, et cetera. So I wanted to find a college that un- that had that same feeling. And so we ended up, as I said, settling on Hillsdale College. We had actually had visited the dean of admissions when my oldest son was going into ninth grade. And so I could sit down and that son was very interested in the college at the time and say, this is my philosophy of education. How does that fit with what you're doing here? And you know what they said? We don't want a transcript either. If, if you can wow. provide some- more than that we would love that so what they had me do was to take the four major subject areas of every year you know um you know language uh science math and history and write a one paragraph summary of each of those classes for each year of what the goals were and then secondarily a second paragraph from me on how my son met those goals and then a reading list and that reading list was so long Hmm. then of course he also wrote his essays and, and i wrote a narrative piece about who he was and then he wrote about his travel and his leadership and and service things that he had done but that those paragraphs allowed me to capture um, succinctly the whole epic nature of what you know that particular son had undertaken and they um, said it was one of the best things they'd ever seen come through the door which is not a reflection on me but on this type of learning and they asked to keep his portfolio in the admissions office so once the school responded to that that was then I knew a school that I thought would be a good fit for my son and in fact he never had a textbook there all four years, he never had a multiple choice never had to fill in the blank he had to you know read great books and write about them and you know discuss them you know essays etc so it was a continuation of what we were already doing so i know that doesn't work for everybody i mean some kids may be going to an engineering school and they need very technical things in no way am i trying to superimpose i'm just saying that as you begin to focus uh, on the uniqueness of the child it may be that there is a unique opportunity where they go to next that will allow what you're doing now to not have to be artificially squeezed into some formula. You know, that doesn't even fit with your philosophy or with a child, because if, if it's probably the next step for them, it's probably going to be a very natural connection to what you're
0: doing now. Right. Wow, that's really amazing. And, you know, I think that colleges are set up mainly to accommodate the masses, and the masses aren't homeschoolers that are doing things this way. So they they have it set up with a very rigid structure, and, you know, these these are the courses you need these are the credits all of that kind of thing so when you can show that here's my child and here's all of the different things that he or she has done I think that's a pretty impressive thing and apparently yeah. it was
1: <laughs> yeah because it, i felt like they were also looking at my son as an individual right. not as a piece you know of material that was going to go down the conveyor belt i felt they right. had a bigger vision of education and of humanness we have made education be highly technical in this country and i think that's all part of of the the post and the secular worldview i don't think that's how the lord looks at education i think it's very relational and holistic mm-hmm. and individual in, in his eyes and So um, I didn't want to sacrifice those final four years to create an artificial construct um, to fit into an education system that probably wouldn't have been a good fit for him anyway if it didn't have a continuation of those views. In my point of view, at high school, those younger years were precious, just enjoyable, delightful. I'm not saying that, but high school was a culminating experience. It was when we got to the deepest stuff, when my son could say, what is a a concept of just war? You know, is war just or, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. the question may be. That's a very valid question, you know, and I was so glad that I hadn't just taught him how to, you know, add and subtract and borrow and carry and make sure to not end a sentence with a preposition. You know, all that pre-stuff and then hand them over to somebody else who sat down and talked about when is war justified or not justified. You know, those are the culminating conversations. Why why should we do all that work again and then hand them over at that point. But if we we have a fear that high school has to be technical because college is technical, then I feel like sometimes we end up sacrificing our kids right at the time when they're finally ready to really go deep, to just drink so deeply at the well of incredible truth. It's right when their maturation level is the highest, they can finally get into abstract concepts. It's when their life mission is being forged. It's when their civic views are being formed it's when their ideas of family and gender roles are being formed, what it means to be a husband, a father, a you know, mother, a wife. That was not the time I wanted to mechanize, right. institutionalize, and just turn my own high school experience into a machine so that they could then go on into a different type of machine. No, I wanted to find something that, again, was going to be a natural connection that fit with who my child really was. And that would be not only what they taught, but how they taught it as well.
0: Right. Yeah, it's so true. I I mean, you make such good points about that age and how important it is, how crucial it is that you have that freedom. And that's really what saddens me because you see a a lot of homeschoolers still kind of have this life schooling idea in the younger grades, but then they hit high school and suddenly they just feel that pressure. They feel like they have to do things a different way. So that's just a wonderful encouragement I'm sure to our listeners that you don't have to do it that way you can continue yeah, especially on especially
1: if you especially if you can reach out in advance as I'm saying and kind of already do right. your research on places that that child is likely to go given their giftings and then find out what that place needs not only will you find out what they need and maybe you have a lot more leeway than you realize but you'll even I think find out if that really is indeed a good fit for them or not because their answers to that question are going to reveal a lot about what they believe to be true about education and about individuals mm-hmm. you get a chance to see if that's a good
0: fit that's true. Absolutely. And I love the picture you painted of, of sitting in a boat going down the stream and, and just having your arms around your kids. And, and you talked a bit about that relational aspect of education instead of going down and flailing through the water. So many people are <laughs> flailing through the water and, and struggling, yeah. and, and they're not building the relationships with their children. So did you see once you recognize that truth and kind of shifted gears to more life schooling approach how did that strengthen the relationships with your children Oh Wow well I think it was um, Boy, you know so many
1: things come to mind because <laughs> yeah. you know like anything worthwhile it's so so many petals to the rose or you know so many streams and leaves on the tree it's just I can't even narrow it down to one thing but I, I think one of the things that happened was that um it it kind of relates very much to what we were just talking about once my child my sons again i go back to when i first started cuz you know later on i did a son and a daughter but when they when, when when i was making the shift i had the two boys and they began to see that i wasn't applying education to them like paint <laughs> on an object. Or what I say is like, have you ever had those uh, soft serve cones where they dip it down into that chocolate coating, you know, right? that, that I wasn't just like saying, Hey, here, you're my ice cream cone. I'm going to dip you down into this chocolate and you're going to have this nice little chocolatey veneer on the outside of you. And I'm going to feel real good about how chocolatey you are. Cause you know what, those, that, that little, whatever they call it, that dip coating, you know how quickly that melts, you know how easily that cracks. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not all the way through. You can have a bright white vanilla cone in there and just a little bit of a chocolate cover and, you know, the least bit of pressure, the least bit of heat and life is very good at applying pressure and heat. That's going to crack and you're going to have what's underneath there. No, I wanted my boys to have it from the inside out, not from the outside in. And that meant that I was valuing them as unique spirits, you know, as unique individuals that God foreknew, forethought, wanted to have exist, had made an exciting plan for the life. And I think that was extremely esteeming to them a and b it kind of took pressure off because right they didn't have to just i think have you ever been on a treadmill and you're like man this would be not that i work out that much please don't ever <laughs> think that but you know okay i have seen people on tv on treadmills that would be maybe more accurate and there's always the proverbial time where somebody turns on the treadmill too fast and they can't keep up that is an intimidating feeling It's intimidating, A, because it feels like failure to not keep up, but B, it's even, it's unloving because you're not taking into consideration the capacities of the person on the treadmill. That's why that's a a kind of a mean practical joke. It's the opposite to say, I know who you are. I know just the pace you should go. And um, I care enough to make sure that that happens. That was so comforting. I remember after my first year of home education in fact I was just talking about this with my son 33 year old son the other day um or or my other son telling him about it I guess but anyway they were crying and when I went to tuck them in, in in the bunk beds and I said guys you know what what just happened from you know when I saw you 10 minutes ago you know while you were brushing your teeth or whatever what happened and they're like no it's not that we just got to talking we don't have to worry about what we had experienced before you started home educating us, it's mm-hmm. okay for us to be us, and it's okay for us to um, learn what we can learn and at the pace that we can do it, and to get to be who we are. And wow! They just—they were letting go of that pressure that there was going to be a conveyor belt that didn't really love them and that would choose a pace, and they may or they may be bored to death on it, or they may not be able to keep up with that. That was irrelevant. It just would be the right thing for them, and that. I I think that they realized at that point that I was in it. I wasn't in it to feel good about myself. I was in it to build them up, to make them be, you know, the most satisfied and impactful and, you know, young men in the kingdom that that they could be now eventually the choices would be theirs you know for how they would live that life or whatever you know that Mm -hmm. that's out of our hands we don't do that but what we do is let them know that we care about it deeply and and give them that opportunity and I I just think that that meant a great deal to them wow
0: that's really neat that's I'm sure a very special memory for you Mm, and for them absolutely so, goodness, we're almost coming to the okay. end of our time together, but there's about five more questions I want to ask you. Okay, yeah,
1: right. I'll <laughs> so, give you very short answers. Yes, no, maybe so. Yeah,
0: I'm, I'm just trying to see where we should go from here. Um, well, let's talk about – let me just remind our listeners, which I often do, about the definition of life schooling, which is the individualized process of discovering your child's God-given gifts and talents – primarily through real life experiences that happen within the context of your family's unique situations and missions. So tell mm-hmm. me is there a part of that definition that particularly speaks to you and if you want to share with us a bit of of, of your own experience and and how that relates. Mm, wow, that's
1: so rich. There's so many different wonderful aspects to that. Um, you You're reminding me of an experience that I had and some of you may have heard me talk about it before but it stands out in my memory as a very vivid one. Um, I was just again undergoing those early changes and it was my beginning of my second year and so I realized I needed to try to pick different materials but without realizing it although I had picked different materials I was still putting my kids in a very passive mode. Now instead of them reading it in a textbook I was going to tell them everything. And so they were sitting there nodding their heads, and I was going on and on about, you know, the Louisiana Purchase, which happened to be the topic. And the Lord just, I felt, caught me up short and said, you're doing all the thinking here. Hmm. And I just had to stop I'm like, he was absolutely right, of course, duh. (laughs) Um, I was thinking through everything I was saying, and they were just, you know, like nodding. and, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm." And so I said, guess what, boys, I had a realization. I'm doing all the thinking here. And my son, my oldest son, who specializes in strategy... T- talking and he's an outstanding basketball coach uh for that reason um I, I, he said i wondered when you would figure that out i've known that for ever since we started <laughs> and so yeah that was pretty darn humiliating and i said well guess what it ends here right now because i love you guys enough to help you learn how to think and i don't want to withhold you from the joy of thinking because god made that to be you know a very rewarding experience so i said let's change this up Let's pretend that I'm President Thomas Jefferson. You know, I have to make this incredible decision whether or not to buy it, the Louisiana Territory, and you be Senator X, son one, and you be Senator Y, son two, and you know, convince me of your opposing positions. I was just amazed because right away you know they start. They had to start digging into some of the stuff that you know some of that data that had just flown by their ears they had to try to reach out and grab it and one will said well wait a minute you know you just sent all the Indians east of the Mississippi west of the Mississippi and told them that you know they wouldn't be bothered again if you buy that you know you're going to have settlers in there you're, you're, you're going to have a problem um, you know with what you told them and the other one said well wait a minute you know Britain's sitting up in Canada they still have Canada they don't really consider the revolution war to be that final of an outcome how do you know that Britain wouldn't come charging down the Mississippi River we couldn't we couldn't stop them from doing so if we don't have both sides of that river and they could you know attack these you know fragile 13 colonies from the west where we have you know basically nothing and then the other one said yes but you also have Revolutionary War debt you haven't even paid some of those soldiers and they're struggling to keep their land you know how can you spend money on more land when you haven't even paid the soldiers who got the land that you have you know da da da, da. and I was just like my jaw was just dropping yeah. I didn't know that 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 they could reach for things like that things and so this is the gist of the story about five minutes into that process my oldest son said mom um i'm realizing something thomas jefferson was a real man who had to make a real decision in real time that would affect you know countless people then and is still to this day affecting people how do you make a decision like that i want to know how Hmm. I just about fell off my chair because in five minutes of me saying, guess what? I want you guys to be able to become part of the thinking process. My son was asking me, how do I become a man who can make the right decision when it counts epically? Oh, wow. And I said, he said, wow, honey, you know what? That is the journey that we're on right there. You know, because that is a great question and I want to help you guys become guys that can do that. Let's dig in. And so there was so much purpose and that son, as I mentioned, was specifically strategical. My second son is is a real philosopher and he's constantly building a matrix way underground where you can't even see it. He's p- you know, popping this in and that in, and finally, when when you least expect it, ta da! He comes out with this, you know, this whole mesh of interrelated, you know, truth, da 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 da. And so, it, because it was surpassing just one particular learning style or the other, it incorporated. It was high enough that you know we're going to seek truth and how to think and how to make the right decisions. It was able to speak to both of their strengths. But that was a pretty neat moment because from that moment on, it turned into instead of education being something that happened from the outside in it was something that was going to be happening from the inside out they were on a quest to learn how to be great people and they wanted me to be part of that and it that was going to look a little bit different for my strategist and a little bit different for my philosopher but it it could be a unique journey that maybe that wasn't a specific enough answer to your question but that's the that's the event that came to my mind when you yeah, asked
0: no I love it and i'm guessing that you have activities and and exercises like that in your truth quest history, which makes me like really want to go out and buy it <laughs> <'cause> it sounds <laughs> well, awesome
1: know, we, we don't have a lot of formal activities like, you know, not to you go mm-hmm. make this out of clay or, or that out of string or whatever, not that right. there's anything wrong with that. That's never been my strong suit. And There just are so many wonderful materials like that already that I usually just cite. If you want hands-on activities, you know, here are a couple materials that already cover that. Mm-hmm. But the, the process of dialoguing and thinking and talking is built right in because the way TruthCast works is that I provide like a very brief, compact commentary that is hinting at this, these spiritual questions and stuff mm-hmm. before, as we introduce every single topic that comes down the pike in whatever period we're covering, and then the lit, the living book recommendations follow that up, but so that, that commentary process becomes kind of a natural discussion point, and then we also have what we call think right, but it's W-R-I-T-E so we get the kids to write a little bit in response to a leading question and that causes them to really think so the think right's definitely are strategically plan to Bring out these moments of aha mm-hmm. and where they have to really reach um, for the get the Lord's deepest principles on whether it's dealing with the poor or um, management labor or you know whatever and we are trying to do that in fact we even provide an appendix where there are sample answers for the parents but we don't but we I want the families to have a lot of leeway because I want families to be on an individual journey as the Lord leads with who their right. children are so it's not like day one do this and day two make a Salt model and day three, you know, build a TP and day four make moccasins and then you know read this. It's very much at that boat ride that I said. You're going to be kind of going on a slightly different stream than anybody else. You got different people in the boat, but eventually we're going to get you down the Greek River or the Roman River or the Medieval River or the you know whatever river. Um, the journey is going to look a little bit different for you, but we're going to get all the major points um, and all the deepest truths inculcated by the time it's time to get out and, and dock and, and get ready to take the next voyage.
0: Well, I love it, and it sounds absolutely amazing. And I've just so enjoyed our talk today, Michelle. It's oh, been good. really wonderful I- getting to know you better and just sure, sharing with everyone all the wisdom that you have. It's, it's been very enlightening. So thank well, you. very good. Glad I can serve. Bless you. And tell our listeners where they can find your curriculum. Um, the, the history guides are at
1: uh, truthquesthistory because that's what we are we're on a quest for truth and then um, uh, you, you know the other things that I'm doing my libraries my library in Michigan is childrens preservation my library in Florida is living learning libraries plural .org.
0: Okay, great. We'll be sure to add those links in the notes, the show notes okay, as well.
1: very good. I'm, oh, I'm sorry. Also, one other website, Living Books Lady, where I help people um, with living books. And, and have the database that people can access where they can
0: learn more about living books, et cetera. Wonderful. LivingBooksLady.com. I'm sure that's going to be very helpful to a lot of people. Okay, very good. Well, Lord thank bless. you again. And that's Life as a Life Schooler. I hope you'll join us next time.